Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person find a life full of freedom and purpose through Jesus. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Rescue Church, thank you so much for joining us online for Rescue at Home. In fact, I guess I should say thank you for inviting us into your house. My name is Josh Overton, and I have the privilege of being the pastor of Rescue Church, and I'm so thankful that no matter how you're watching, be it on your couch, with a phone, tablet, computer, maybe you even have us casted up on your TV, man, we're just excited to gather with you in some variety, even though we miss being together face-to-face, man, we can still uh, gather together, worship Jesus, and open up His Word. And so we're going to continue with our series, Mountains and Valleys. This has been a series that we've been in uh, since the end of February. It's been a very timely series. And the whole thought is we're leaning into Hebrews chapter 11 and 12, in which uh, you see the Hall of Fame of Faith take place. And all these legends, all these giants of faith are listed there. And we're kind of leaning into some insight from their life. And the theme verse of this entire series has been Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And now I have highlighted a different part of that verse every single week, and today I would love for you to underline, circle, copy and paste if you're on a tablet, uh, perseverance into your notes. That is such a timely word for so many of us in a time in our life when it's easy to want to give up. Perseverance for the race marked out for us. Perseverance can be defined as persistence in doing something despite difficulty and Today, I want to share a word with you from the life of Joseph. So, so far, we've talked about Elisha and Isaiah just this past week. But if you remember, we visited Abraham, who had a son named Isaac, who eventually had a son named Jacob, that God renamed Israel. Well, Joseph is one of Jacob's son. And the reason that I want to highlight this is because Joseph actually heard heard from God, that God visited him with a dream or in a dream, gave him a dream for his life. And then from that moment, 23 years later, before he saw the culmination of this dream fulfilled, and from the moment that God spoke to him, his life went the opposite direction. And so if anyone is qualified to speak to us on how do you handle life when you want to give up? I think it's Joseph. And this message specifically is for someone that's watching it that maybe you're ready to check out. Perhaps you've already checked out emotionally, mentally, maybe relationally. You're, you're checked out of your marriage. You're, you're checked out of, of you know what this current situation is. It's just the anxiety is too much. The stress is too much. And so if you haven't given up, you've thought about giving up. This message is for you. And this message from Joseph, I think, if as Hebrew 12, one says, he surrounds us to encourage us. If he could come down and say one thing to us 
Very simply, I think he would say, hey, when life is hard, don't quit. And, and perhaps you are, you know, your response to me right now is like, Josh, I, I'm good. My life is pretty good considering what's going on. We're pretty good. Um, why don't you be a little bit more positive? Well, I'm positive that you're going to need this message. So whether you need it today or perhaps you need it sometime later, I would love for you to lean in and listen to what God has to say to you specifically. And when life is hard, don't give up. Listen to what happened to Joseph. In Genesis chapter 37, we're going to start with verse 5. It says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. So not only did Joseph literally hear from God through a dream, and then probably incorrectly, he shared that dream with his brothers, and the Bible says they hated him. Now, they didn't just hate Joseph for this dream. They already despised him because of his relationship with his father. They were jealous. So they already were out to get them. But the Bible says, he said to them, listen to this dream that I had, brothers. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Sound, sound good, brothers? You like that? And they say, look, here comes that dreamer. Come on, let's kill him. Let's throw him into one of these cisterns, which is just a giant pot, and say, that a, and say to our father that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Ever felt like that? Ever felt like there was literally something out to get you? There was, that there was a system set up against you, that the people around you didn't support you, that what you thought your life was going to be hadn't played out this way, and now you find yourself just like Joseph in this moment where it would be so easy to give up. I think Joseph has the right to say to us, hey, I know what you're going through. God literally spoke to him, gave him the dream, the promise, and it was 20 years of a different direction, of hardship, of rejection, of letdown. It was in those moments that we can learn so much from Joseph. It's in the valleys of Joseph's life we can see what God wants to do in those moments and through those moments. So the first thing that I would, would pin it this way would be don't give up even when your life doesn't start off well. Don't give up on your dream, even when it didn't start the way you envisioned it in your mind. Don't give up on what God is telling you to do. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your job. Don't give up on following Jesus, even if it didn't start off well. And a lot of us have stories of our lives that didn't start off so well. And here's the reason why. And because of that, we're not so concerned with like the potential of what God wants to do because we're so wrapped up in our resume. But what I love about this message here today is we're starting in Genesis with the life of Joseph. And I'm just going to show you how this is a common theme, a thread, if you will, all throughout Scripture. And, and I would like to suggest that maybe that's because God is trying to show us something. He's trying to teach us something. Look at Paul arguably one of the most famous and greatest Christians to ever walk the planet. He penned two-thirds of the New Testament. He was largely responsible for the planting and the advancement of the church of Jesus. He had a terrible resume. Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul. 
And while he was Saul, he literally hunted down, persecuted, and killed believers of Jesus. Listen to what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, and that he has considered me faithful. Even though I wasn't, even though I wasn't strong, even though I certainly didn't have a good resume, an encounter with him, as we learned from last week, changed everything. And then he gave me strength. And how did he give me strength? By considering me faithful and appointing me to his service. God brought freedom into my life and then he gave me purpose. And even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Friends, listen to me. If I could, if I could step off the screen for a moment and just have a seat with you next to you on the couch or across the table, I would love to lean in and tell you that don't be so caught up on your yesterday that you miss what God wants to do today and through you tomorrow. I said it this way last week. You will always have a skewed view of tomorrow if you are looking at it through the lens of yesterday. Even when your life didn't start off well, don't give up. I, I had so many people surrounding me growing up telling me that they loved me, telling me that they supported me, encouraging me, coaching me on all throughout this journey, different people that God brought to me in different times of my life. Maybe that's not your story. Maybe you felt like you've been rejected, you've been alone, you've been abandoned multiple points in your life. No doubt there is some residual effect of that that most likely you still are wearing today. Don't allow your yesterday to determine your today and tomorrow. Let it stay in yesterday. Invite Jesus in to deal with those moments, hurts, wounds. Bring medicine, bring healing and freedom so that you can continue with what he has for you moving forward. God, Jesus considered me faithful and he appointed me to his service and he showed me mercy despite my resume. Come on, don't give up even when life doesn't start off well. Secondly, I would tell you, uh, don't give up even when those closest to you don't support you. Let's, let's look back at Joseph for a moment. He gets this dream, which is right. He interprets the dream correctly. And then he, maybe he shouldn't have shared it the way he shared it with his brothers, but it was still right. It was still God-given. It was right. But immediately his brothers, listen, they didn't just, they didn't just turn their back on him. They didn't just block him on Facebook. They, they placed him in human trafficking. He became a human slave. They beat him and sold him in to slavery. And there's been a lot in our life that we have allowed the excuse of those closest to us not supporting us to kill the dream, to kill the momentum, to kill what we believe we should be doing. We've allowed change that we know we need to personally make easily be excusable and diminished and rejected only because a person that we wanted to approve of this and, and help us instead rejected it. And so we've used that as an excuse not to even do those things. But I want to show you something. In the Gospel of Mark, 
Jesus lets us into an, an incredible scene. Because I can look at my life and, and I can remember launching this church. And I am blessed to have so many great friends and family around me. But likewise, there were people in our life that when we told, didn't approve. I had people tell me, you're not ready. I heard people tell me that the city you're going to, it's, it's, not, it's, not, worth, it's not worth going to do what you're going to do. It's too, there's too much crime. There's too much, you know, fill in the blank, the narrative that gets spun about our city. All these things. That I can get. But to hear out of Jesus' own mouth, that his own family rejected him as the Messiah. Literally, there would be moments where they would have to apologize. Oh, I'm sorry, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I know he said he's the Messiah. He doesn't really know what he's saying yet. And look what happens in verse 3 of chapter 6 of Mark. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this just Mary's son? The brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters with him? And they took offense at him. And then Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, in his own house, is a prophet without honor. I mean, if Jesus is going to face some rejection, if Jesus is going to face some opposition, then certainly you and I are going to face it. And, I, and look at Joseph. His, his brothers, his own flesh and blood, betrayed him and rejected him. But I think he would lean into us and say, hey, listen, even when life doesn't start off the way you thought it would, it doesn't start off well, even when those closest to you don't support you, don't give up. Don't give up. And then thirdly, and I think it's partly my job as, as a pastor, which is really a, a churchy way of saying a shepherd. It's my job to guide you and aid you on this journey of faith and of life. And what I want to tell you is... Uh, this journey is full of surprises. And I know you know this, but as we're looking at Joseph, I just want to point out to you, and they'll be on the screen here, nine different moments in Joseph's life when he could continue to persevere or he could have given up. And as I talk about them, as I say it, I just want you to think, man, what do you think, what did Joseph do? What do you think Joseph did or should have done? Just kind of, Put yourself in this situation. The very first thing is we know that Joseph was misunderstood by his family. They didn't like him. They didn't like that he had his father's favor. And they certainly didn't like the dream that he had. He was misunderstood. Secondly, he was sold into slavery. Do you think that Joseph wanted to give up in that moment or that he wanted to continue to persevere? The third thing is he was now sold into slavery. And because of that, he was living in a strange country, far from home. Nobody wants to be away from home. No one wants to be around people they don't know, at a place they don't know where anything is. Specifically, he's not just living, he legitimately is in slavery. He finds himself in Potiphar's house, which is an Egyptian slave owner. And he's, that's, where he's, that's where his slavery is taking place. But he finds, check this, he finds God's favor, and because of that, he becomes Potiphar's chief of staff. He literally is running the whole estate at this point. Still in slavery, still belonging to someone, but he at least gets to govern the estate. As you continue to read the story of Joseph, 
you begin to that Joseph is a very attractive man. So Potiphar's wife makes a move. She tries to seduce Joseph. And because of this, Joseph's like, I can't do this. I have to honor God. I have to honor Potiphar. He literally runs away. And the Bible says that he's left, or Potiphar's wife is left with just his robe, and he runs off naked. She, so she then flips it on him and accuses Joseph of trying to seduce and rape her. So therefore, Joseph is thrown into prison. Once he's in prison, he gains God's favor once again, and he gets put in charge of the prisoners. Now, don't think that this is like a warden position. Like He's not out of the jail looking at all the He's still one of the prisoners. His job is just to clean up after them and to make sure they don't get into trouble and to make sure they, conf they conf conform to the rules and the regulations of being a prisoner at that time. But it's not like a special privilege, but he at least gets elevated to that. Do you think it's going the way that Joseph thought it was going to go? When he had that dream, nothing in that dream mentioned being betrayed by your brothers, sold into slavery, seduced, lied about, abandoned, thrown in, none of, it, none of that. But he didn't give up. While he's in prison, he encounters two people. He interprets their dreams. As a result of it, this, they get out, go back into the good graces of the Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, and Joseph says, hey, while I'm doing this, please don't forget me. When you get out, don't forget about your boy. They do forget about Joseph. He gets abandoned again. He gets abandoned in prison for two more years. We've been in the house for like a week and a half, y'all. And we still get to go outside. You can still go to the grocery store. You won't find no toilet paper, but maybe you can at least get some food if you need that. We have a little bit of freedom still. Right? Joseph was in prison, not for two weeks, for two years, even though he had a dream from God, even though he thought what he was doing was right. He was in prison. The opportunity presents itself where eventually Joseph gets the opportunity to interpret the Pharaoh's dream. The Bible says he finds favor with God once again because he didn't give up. He is then elevated into second in command in all of Egypt. Even though this life, this journey was full of surprises, even though those closest to him didn't support him, and even though it didn't start or go the way he thought, he continued to persevere and trust in God. He did not give up. And the point that I'm trying to make to you is that your life looks the same ups and downs and ups and downs and mountains and valleys and mountains and valleys. The Bible, when you go back and study the life of Joseph, just in those moments that I listed right there, and there's more, are two times as many like give up moments than there were go on, persevere moments. There, there were two times more moments of where Joseph was abandoned, he was rejected, he was beaten, he was sold into slaves. There were lies about him. He got put into the chief of staff. As soon as he got that position, he again, Potiphar's wife lied about him. He got thrown into prison. Like, twice as many dark moments, y'all. Twice as many, what I'm doing isn't making a difference. Twice as many, I'm not good enough. Twice as many, 
God, this isn't what you said it was going to be. This isn't the dream you put in my heart. This isn't the thing that you called me to do. Twice as many opportunities for me to give up. Twice as many, this is not what I thought marriage was going to be. Twice as many, this is not what I thought like parenting kids was going to be. Twice as many, this is not what I thought my job was going to be. This is not what I thought my nine to five life was going to be. I'm trying to make a point that in the darkest times, people ask the deepest questions. And here's the question that so many of us are asking here today. It's when my life doesn't look like I thought it was going to. In other words, like, what do I do when I want to give up? And I want to encourage you, maybe right now, watching this video, however and whenever you're watching it, maybe you don't want to give up right now, but please file this away for the day and the moment that you do. Because life is full of surprises. On February 9th, when two-thirds of our trailer were stolen, you think I wanted to give up or I wanted to go on? In the moment that it happened. Couple that in with two more weeks of us not being able to gather in our space. Couple that with now, we know here in Durham, we're in a stay-at-home order until at least April 30th. And that Rogers Hill Middle School will be closed until at least May 15th. What do you do when you want to give up? What do you do when what you thought you saw, what you thought you heard, isn't what you see? You don't give up. And I want to point us to looking at men and women in the Bible who experience life just like you and me. No, I've never been falsely accused by another man's wife of trying to seduce and rape her and thrown into prison. No, maybe you've never been abandoned by your brothers and sold into slavery. But what we have all experienced is moments where our life isn't how we thought it was going to be. We've experienced moments where we've wanted to give up, when we've wanted just to check out. We wanted to check out of relationships. We wanted to check out of responsibility. We can't give up. Joseph, in all of these dark moments of his life, listen to me, friends. The word says because he did not give up, that he found God's favor. And you and I, we can look at the life of Joseph. And you can look at your own life. And you can say, well, yeah, Joseph went through twice as many dark moments, twice as many give up moments, twice as many situations that he could have given up and come to the conclusion that there's no dream, there's no relationship, there's no job that's worth that. Or we can look at it and see that Joseph encountered and experienced the goodness of God, the grace of God, and the ability to persevere in the race marked out for him. He got the privilege to trust and to watch God, time after time after time, show up and rescue and restore and reclaim and recover and release time after time. Look at Daniel. Daniel, when he chose to stand, when everybody else was bowing, when he chose not to conform, he saw God show up and rescue and restore and reclaim and recover. and re like It is the thread of Scripture. It is the activity of God. When his people don't give up, 
He shows up. And if I could say one thing to you today, don't give up and trust that God will show up. Don't give up and watch God move. Romans 8, 28. This is the key. But it's also the next step, I think, for me as as a leader, as your pastor. It says in verse 28, we know. I'm going to read it, the first word, which is and. Okay, and. Now I'm going to ask you out loud to say the next two words with me. We know. I don't have to finish the verse. So many of you know it. We know. What do we know? We know that in all things, in all, Joseph knew in all things, the good and the bad, the pit, the prison, or the palace. He knew that God works for the good, those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. But some of you, here's, I think, where I come in. Some of you need to get back to this. We know that despite the craziness that's happening around us right now, the chaos, the panic, the fear, we know. Despite what's happening in your marriage right now, we know. Despite what's happening with your financial situation, your job situation right now, we know. We had a young girl in our church tithe on the, uh, two weeks ago. She tithed two weeks ago on what she had. A couple days uh, ago, we got a message saying she don't know where it came from, but someone wrote a check for her because she and she just lost her job, just lost some, uh, some uh, at least a time of work, had no income. Someone wrote a check to bless her. And what I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to throw that hook in there to hope you, hoping that you'll give money. I, I'm just telling you, like she decided to trust because she knew that God would work it out. The good for those who love him. She knew. We know. And the last thing I want to tell you, write this down, is don't give up, even when it takes a long time to realize it. Habakkuk writes it like this in chapter 2. These things I plan won't happen right away. I, I've noticed that. I've been to a lot of your houses before, and there's a lot of cool like Bible verses and, and, and like... Um, Jesus-centered thoughts and Hobby Lobby stuff all around your house. I have things in my living room right now. Uh, thankfully, they're closed or my wife would be there all the time. I know that some of you have the same things on your house, um, on your walls in your house, and I, I've never noticed this verse on any of them, right? Jeremiah, right? Twenty-nine, eleven. 11, I know the plans I have for you. We, that one's on there. What about this one, back of 2, 3? The things that I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, and surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. That is a declaration from God's word over our church, over your family, over your marriage, over your relationships, over your financial concerns, over your kids. If it seems slow, do not despair. 
For these things will surely come to pass. Here's the tough pill to swallow, friends. Just be patient. Why do you think God wants us to be patient? Perhaps it's because he cares more about your character than he does your comfort. Perhaps there's things that he wants to do in you through what you've been through, through what you're currently going through. Things he wants to teach you, things he wants to show you, as any good father would. They will not be overdue a single day. Friends, every single person watching this we believe has a step to take today. For some of you, that may be your first step, which is always towards Jesus. It's always making a declaration in your life, a personal decision to embrace Jesus, both in your head and in your heart, as Lord and Savior of your life. Declaring and confessing and believing that He died for your sins on the cross. He arose from the grave on the third day. And in exchange for your sin and shame, He gives you grace, newness, mercy, and love, and forgiveness. And that's such a great truth to cling to this morning, such a great step for some of you to take. And the thing that I want to point you to is in Psalm 18, verse 19. There's this beautiful psalm of David weeping, agonizing, and crying out for God to save him. In the first 18 verses, is basically David painting this picture of what he's going through, this tumultuous time that he's in, the situation that he's in. He needs God to show up and to rescue him. And in verse 19, it says, He delivered me because he delighted in me. He didn't show up because he had to. He showed up because he wanted to. He didn't have to leave heaven. He wasn't obligated to leave heaven. He chose to leave heaven to come after you and to come after me. And he stands before you this morning with his arms open, waiting for you to take a single step towards him, to embrace him as both Lord and Savior. And what we believe at Rescue is that after you've taken your first step with Jesus, man, every single step after that is with him. He wants to be your comforter. He wants to be your friend. He wants to walk with you in this thing called life. So here's the next step for us as a church. I'm going to ask us to lean into, to focus in on what God is doing inside of you and what he wants to do inside of you. Let's leverage this time that we have to lean into what God wants to do in us because we know he cares about our character. More, more than comfort, he's using both your past, what you've gone through, and what you're currently doing. He's using that to make it happen. And because of that, if that's true, you and I actually have a role to play in how fast that goes. It just depends on how fast you learn. Think about it. We spend most of our prayer life like this. God, make this go away. God, take this away. God, deliver me. God, bring me out. God, bring me to the other side. God, 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 take it away. And, and while a lot of the things that happen to us aren't necessarily God's will, we totally bypass God's will in that situation, which is redemption, which is rescue, which is recovering and restoring. And so really our question should be this, and this is a great sign of your spiritual maturity, is if your prayers are more like, God, take me out, 
God, remove this. God, get me out of here. And it becomes, God, what do you want me to learn in this? God, what are you showing me? What are you telling me? And listen, I'm not just saying this to you. This is, this is for me. I stood on the stage of Story Church the Sunday after our trailer got stolen. And I looked at the church, I looked at you, and I said, listen, there are some things that I have not yet had the courage to ask God. And the number one thing was, God, what are you teaching me in this? What are you doing? I don't think you caused our trailer to get stolen, but there's something in this that you want to do in me. And it wasn't until about a week ago that I had the courage to finally ask him that question. After the trailer was stolen, after the COVID-19 outbreak and the school being closed and us now having all of our services digitally, only then did I have the courage to ask that question. And he's telling me and he's showing me and he's teaching me. And this is one of the verses that he's used to guide me in this process. First Peter chapter one, verse six and seven. So be truly glad. What? <laughs> be truly glad in your hardship. Be truly glad in your dark moments. Be truly glad in, in the doubt and the fear. For there's a wonderful joy, not yet. You don't have it yet. You're not in it yet, but it is ahead. Even though you must first endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine and is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold through your faith, though your faith is far more precious than gold. Friends, focus on what God wants to do in you, the character that he wants to bring forth, the things that he wants to teach you. Listen, this is how I want to end today's service. I'm going to read you something. I'm going to read you one verse one passage but then I've got a few more that I'm that won't be on the screen because I don't want it just to get in your head I want it to get in your heart today and, and I just need you to, to brace yourself this this is this is a word from the Lord for you today I just need you to get ready to receive it and here's what I'm going to ask I know it's going to be awkward it'll be a little weird can you just open up your arms just for a second, right where you are? Just hold out your hands. If, if, you, if you want to receive what the Lord has for you, it's just a posture. Here it is. He's with you. He's with you. I know it doesn't feel like it. You don't feel him. You're not going to feel it. But he's with you. Psalm 139, verse 8. It says, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, the valleys, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even though your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Psalm 46.1, he is our refuge, our strength, our ever-present, ever-present help in a time of need. He is ever present. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you, my beloved, 
ablaze. And in the words of our chief shepherd, our king, our rescue, our savior, Jesus, surely I will always be with you. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. Even when you don't see it, he's there. He's with you. I just want to pray for you in just a moment. So you would just continue with your eyes closed and your hands out. And I just invite now the Holy Spirit to come into your space, your house. And I just proclaim the magnificence, the sovereignty of our God who's always closer than what we know. I break the spirit of fear, the spirit of complacency, by the power of you, Holy Spirit, by the name of Jesus, that every other name has to bow. God, and I pray that where many of us are in a moment where we could easily give up, that your spirit would cause courageous boldness, faithfulness, perseverance, trust to rise up. We would follow the mantra of Joseph, finesse, even when life is hard, we wouldn't give up. And God, that we would find your favor. And just a reminder of what Psalm 18, 19 says, we find your favor because you delight in us. God, I hope and pray that people watching this today would le legitimately feel your delight of them. They would feel your warmth. They would feel your presence because, God, that is what we need. We need you. So, God, may we be open to receive you today. And see your name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Join us each week here on the pod or live in Durham. Keep up with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Rescue Church NC.